Everybody, what's going on? It's another fantastic Friday right here at Churchill Smoke Shop. Again, it's latest night on the hill. And as always, got my right-hand man, my partner in crime, Mr. Pete Powell to the third power. Yeah, Mr. Preston Powell the third. And also our great, fantastic recurring guest, the general, the head scout, Mr. Abraham Brownfield. Fellas, good evening. Good evening. What's going on, bro? Always good to be back with the good brothers. This week, I'm smoking the Maisha. You know, if you notice, you can see that label. I don't know if you can get a good look at it. It's got the queen of the hill on it. There's a picture of the boxes. These are new in the shop. Um, just a smooth Dominican stick. It smokes similar to Arturo Fuente. So it's the Dominican rapper and Longfellow. So it's just straight Dominican. What you smoking on, Abraham? Yeah, I'm smoking the Arbo Caribe. It's a new stick. It's right. has an Ecuadorian rapper. And uh, Dominican and Nicaraguan filler, real smooth. And so, like a combination of the best features of the Nicaraguan and and uh, South American uh, sticks. It's supposed to have the taste of the Caribbean with a Central American flair. I'm not sure where the Central American part comes in. <laughs> <laughs> you might get it when you get to the end of it. You get to the end of it, yeah, you might get a little yeah, bit of it. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. <laughs> What you smoking on that chat? Um, I got a painkiller mofo, 70 by six, 70 gauge by six inches. It is a wrapped in a Dominican Corojo. This is medium to full body. And it's filled with a Dominican Liguero. Uh very smooth smoke. Uh, for those who like full bodies, it's box press. Uh GTO is one of my favorite cigars. Very smooth. Well put together. Shout out to the doctor, Oscar. Rodriguez. Yeah, definitely that. Definitely that. You know, uh, let's let's kick it off. You know, Abe uh, did get an opportunity to follow up on the video last week when we talked about the, the incident out there in Rankin County dealing with the two brothers that were tortured for damn near two hours by uh, Rankin County Sheriff's Department. You may have heard the story of the ongoing fight for justice for Michael Jenkins and Eddie Parker, but you haven't had a chance to hear from those victims until today. The victims, Michael Jenkins and Eddie Parker, say they were beaten and tortured for two hours while the officers hurled racial slurs at them. Family members say it all came to end with Jenkins being shot in the mouth. Those members of law enforcement have been fired or resigned, but their families say that simply isn't enough. The victims are now speaking out about the incident. I, I knew it, you know, from the beginning I had to fight, you know, for, you know, uh, everybody that it had, it had happened to him. So that's why I go in day by day with the same attitude, you know, I'm fighting for you know, the same reason I started. I didn't deserve that. You know, I was down on the couch that night. Not by nobody. They came to us. The two also discussed the healing process. A long road of recovery is expected. Attorney Shabazz, who is a part of the support system, says they believe there are credible threats or risks to their safety, and they're being very proactive to protect them. Part of those proactive measures just mentioned involves Jenkins leaving the state of Mississippi. Attorneys say he just doesn't feel safe here. The attorney is also calling for the indictment of all of those officers involved in the case. We reached out to the sheriff's department and haven't heard back at this time. I'm live in Jackson, Kennedy Cooper, 16, WAB. And uh, I guess one one officer from what Richland, yeah, Richland. involved in, yeah, involved in that. That's so head, head scout, what, what you have for us on that? Okay, uh, on yesterday, uh, Malik Shabazz, uh, Trent Walker, 
the, the head attorney and co-counsel uh, for the case, they came in along with the victim after they had a press conference. And they they came in to, to see how the news was going to cover it. And Malik uh, pretty much mirrored the sentiments that we shared on the podcast. Right. The lack of warrant, improper procedure regarding how the firearm was uh, placed in the victim's mouth. Yeah. Also, the serious questions of what transpired during the two hours yeah. uh, that occurred in that in, in in that residence. You know, so you know it's an irrefutable evidence that the victim was shot. I mean, right. you cannot take that away, but really try and get to the meat of what happened in those two hours. Right, right. Well, you know, one thing is they they gonna pay out the dough. So I mean, you you know that's coming, and I know the the, the lawsuit is what four hundred four hundred million. Yeah, four hundred million dollars. Yeah, so they they <clears throat> they gotta pay out the dough because like you said, there's that part right there. If you try to refute what went on that two two hours or so of torture, you can't refute somebody put a gun in his mouth and somebody shot. That that's irrefutable. You know, so that that you know that you know you you got nothing to come back with that. You know. And then you still you have the idea of the off-duty Richland police officer there. That right there just all sorts of break, all sorts of protocols that he was even involved in that. You know, that's right. crazy. Right. But I'm just I'm I'm just curious to see going forward how uh the powers that be. So what good? How the powers that be with handling this going forward. Because again, like Abraham said, there's irrefutable evidence, excuse me, about what happened. And what on the street is, the events that happened is is horrific, yeah. atrocious. It is it is probably the second coming of some of the worst uh, violence that we can ever think of. I mean, it's so, basically a lynch mob. It was basically a lynch mob. Oh, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was like it was like the purge 3.0. Yeah, yeah, without, without a doubt. You know, you know what? You know, uh, keeping that track on just things following up on, you know, if you look back to podcast 119, me and uh, Chad discussed the HB, HB uh, 1020, the bill here in Mississippi that called out a special district here. But, you know, this week we finally got word from the Department of Justice, something that we already knew, that the that the, the legislation is discriminatory toward the black residents here in Jackson by appointing a special court system and a special defined area, unelected by the people of Jackson. So we all we all felt that that was the case, but you actually finally got a ruling, I mean, at least a decision from the Department of Justice. And actually that case is right now being argued in front of the Supreme Court. And you can see if you if you viewed any of that case, some of the tones that they're taking during that case, we can show you a little video of that coming up. The justices on the high court hearing an appeal from three voters in Hines County after a judge, a lower court judge, ruled that it was constitutional for the legislature to make this move. Good morning and welcome to the Mississippi Supreme Court. Mississippi Supreme Court justices hearing oral arguments Thursday from lawyers on both sides in a legal challenge to controversial House Bill 1020. The case appealed to the state high court after a Hines County Chancery judge ruled the legislation constitutional. The Mississippi Constitution forbids the judicial appointments demanded by HB 1020. That's the key question the justices will have to grapple with, the appointment of four temporary judges only in Hines County. 
The reason there is no problem with that constitutional provision is that special judge appointees are not judges of the circuit court. Several justices questioned State Solicitor General Scott Stewart on how long special judges would serve and even how to describe the judges. You want us to say special judges, but the statute says something else. Well, I think we have to settle on some kind of shorthand, Your Honor, just so... I'm going to settle on what the the plain language of that statute is. Some justices challenged plaintiff's attorney Cliff Johnson on why there have been no questions raised in the past 30 years since the state allowed for the appointment of special judges. You know, in Mississippi, just because we've done something for a long time certainly doesn't make it right. This court can do some things the circuit court can't do, can't it? Justices also raised questions about the creation of a new court inside the Capitol Complex Improvement District. It would function like any other municipal court, with one key exception. There is not a municipal court in Mississippi that can put somebody in a state prison for a misdemeanor. Is there, sir? Until this one, Your Honor. But, Your Honor... This is not a municipal court. The statute doesn't say it's a municipal court. And I respectfully disagree, Justice Kitchens. Now, only eight justices sat for today's arguments. That's because Supreme Court Chief Justice Mike Randolph recused himself. He's at the center of this legal challenge and would have to appoint those four special temporary judges in Hines County. For now, we're live at the state Supreme Court. Ross Adams, 16 WAPT News. Now, if you saw that. You know, you see that, you know, the, even the Supreme Court justices were pushing back on why is this legislation necessary? What is this court for? Is it in the legality of the courts? Well, I mean, think about it. I don't know the, the Abel, just, just correct me on this. How can you establish a court where there's prejudice? Uh, you know, that was that's what one of the justices was trying to speak on that hey you can't uh you know what what system this court's supposed to be under how long the court's supposed to exist this is a ton of things that they pointed out during the during the supreme uh, the supreme court here hearing uh about the particular case and you know they're arguing that they're trying to create a new precedent i guess i mean i don't know i mean look, you know we all know the extra law enforcement support, I don't think anybody will argue against that. It's just that the way you're trying to establish your own court system, come on, man. Yeah, come on. That's just a power grab. That's a power grab yeah. in a place you can't get power. Yeah, in the state of Mississippi, uh, they have reorganized the court systems in a majority of ways. Lately, they've been doing the fast-track drug courts and I don't see where the authority is any less to create the special district, but it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense because you're appointing judges, whereas the other court systems were just moving judges. They were promoting uh, people who are already in this system to become the special judges. And lately, they have established a mental health court. And I saw... Yeah, they did that. I saw that today. Yeah, I saw that today. Yeah, was instrumental in that. So all new court creation isn't bad. But I believe the intent of this special district court using appointed judges and also using 
judges who are not in the jurisdiction uh, that you're that you're uh, supposed to be policing or or that you adjudicate, it doesn't make sense. Right. You know, right. I think more clarity needs to come from that. Right. I agree. And again, I, how how can you judge without bias? Isn't it? Yeah. So I, nine times out of ten, you gonna uh, as a judge. I, again, I could be wrong, or maybe it might be me. But you gonna I uh, hate you. most of the time they are gonna have some ill-conceived notion or ill-conceived perception. Yeah. So you going in with an attitude? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get him. He right. going to jail. Not from here. Not elected by the people here. You have no right. obligation to the people here. So but again. Just, Go back and look who created the bill. Those individuals who don't have any interest, what well, to the back they do, because either they got an anti state somewhere in Pundrin somewhere, or some type of personal interest when it comes to opportunity to line their pockets. Right. Or to align the political align with the political agendas of their party. And that brings up that brings up another thing. So when we have these discussions, you know, every time we do a good brothers podcast, you know, brothers sitting around with a drink, smoking a cigar, just talking about current events, pop culture. You know, we get phone calls instead of people getting in the comment section. You know, comment in the comment section. Let's have that discussion there where more people get involved instead of individuals talking to each one of us separately. But, hey, I thought, I think of this, I think of that, or what have you. Let's start the, comment, the uh, conversation in the comment section. Speaking of which, you know, Chad, you sent a video out of with Dane Elliott talking about white fragility, you know, about white people's fears and stuff like that. But I, I wanna I wanna take it in another direction. Mm-hmm. So everybody, you know who Tariq Nasheed is, you know, you know Dr. Umar and all that. But mm-hmm. there's this thing, you know, you question you know about AD, uh, ADOS and you know about FBA, Foundational Black Americans and stuff like that. You know, we go back to that Jane uh, Elliott video where talk, we talked about I think y'all said 2050 that minority, the majority would be the minority. Minorities would be the majority of this country. See, here's another thing. Minorities are the majority of the world. And, you know, even with the white power structure, which is, which is based off of, you know, the economic advantages that, that, that Western countries got from slavery. I mean, that's the, the crux of that power structure is based on the foundation of slavery. And of course, you're having these conversations about reparations. But there's one thing that I've noticed that has been creeping to these conversations and that I've seen start to happen on a national scale where we have African, not African-American, but Black people from other countries chiming in into the conversation. And you have white people using these particular black people as saying, like, see, these black people don't think that you should be that, you know, you should get reparations or that this is not a big deal. They're saying the N-word is not a big deal. But those people are not connected to those things you're trying to use them for as the example of to get over it. You get you get what I'm saying? Have y'all noticed mm-hmm. that conversation? Like yeah. and people from Nigeria. Yeah. If you ever noticed that some of the some of the black people that Republicans put out front, like Candace on, these people aren't, you know, ADOS or foundational black people. They're like second generation African, second generation Caribbean, second, you know, you get what I'm saying? And they're using these people as the flag bearers. And a good example oh, is I brought up. Wait a minute. 
the British, the the black British. Oh, the black British. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, them. Right. And the reason okay, I'm but the black British are really who? You know, for the yeah. most part, the black British are their Caribbean uh, people. Yeah. Or they're coming from the continent of Africa. You have the Nigerians, the Ghanaians, right? Such, you know, who have immigrated right. in the last uh, 80 years or so. But, you know, we're not talking about those people. You know, yes, they have not necessarily suffered under the, the, the burden of slavery, right. the atrocities of slavery. So they have a different perspective. Right. But you cannot go to those people and have them speak on, which is essentially an issue with we who are in America and and were born as descendants of people who were enslaved. And right. that and, and that's what they're doing. They're using these people. The reason I brought up she had an issue, what happened, you know that Nick Fuentes that you know self-proclaimed racist, uh they had him on a pod, he was on a podcast recently. With like five black women around them, and they would let them say the n word, and it became this joke. They had a video on Rumble, but somebody posted it on YouTube, and you've been seeing a lot of people comment on it. But then they come to find out the black women that he had around him, none of them were American black women. They were all Caribbean. I think three of the lady girls were from Haiti, Haiti, and they all first gen. So, you know, they, they made the spectacle. Now you have these girls, these same women, as after the backlash, people have been slamming them. They've been going on this apology to like, hey, we didn't know he was a racist. We didn't know this. But look, you know, the white boy right there saying, nigga right there in front of you. What you expect? I mean, what, right. what, 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 you know, but see, they don't have that attachment, you know, to like what he's doing. And they think it's all fun and games because it became this, uh, in this internet age, it's become like the um, the viral thing. Somebody getting caught saying nigga or the Karen out there. You get what I'm saying? So they, they um, thought they, I, I'm assuming they participated in that thing and it's on that level, level. But when black people start, black America, we start to see it. We're like, well, hold on. And then they came after them and they, they're like, well, we didn't know. We didn't know. That's some bullshit. If you don't know, you shouldn't be involved with it. Well, it you know. I agree. So it, you know, it goes back to if you look at the high school cafeteria where you had the, the table of mean girls, this is how a lot of this, these podcasts are, are operate. You know, they do not see the ramifications of what they're doing. You know, so long as they're there together, they're having fun and, and they're saying inflammatory things. And, you know, they're doing it. Okay, they have a good time for an hour. They cut it up. They put it on YouTube. And then the public sees it and has an outcry. Yeah. Now they want to apologize. Yeah, like, oh, we didn't know. You hey, know, like, hey, hey look, we, we, we take it back to the college day. You know, we all know that there were certain times that you had, you had groups of people get together to do nefarious things. Right. You knew when you went to that apartment uh, that what your intention were doing. Right, now, right. You may not have participated per se in the actions, but you cannot divorce yourself that you were yeah, there. You knew what was going down. You, you did not. You did not. You did not choose to leave. You sat there. You sat there, and, and you watched all these guys file into this room, and there was one girl in there. 
And you watch. And you didn't say anything. Like Players Club. Oh, man, man okay. I want no part of this. Right, 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 right. Man, you know, you know, yeah, you talk about the college days and stuff like that, man. I, oh, man. You know, maybe maybe we'll do a, a, a Good Brothers podcast after hours. <laughs> that sounds good. And we, 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 just, we just, like, really lay out some of the things. Like, because, you know, this generation, you know, we talked about this one time before up here, is that this generation, of, they don't know nothing how we survived, how we, you know, what did we do, you know, when we used to go to the clubs and hang out. And, you know, I don't even know if they do that kind of stuff anymore. You know, they don't have that... Uh, you know that outward activity. You know most of their stuff is online, oh. or they're like oh. house parties. They, they, they don't do house that. parties. Yeah, you know they don't do that. Clubs are not the same anymore. Nah, no way near it. The club, there was a dance floor. Yeah, there was area to sit down, and there was a bar. Now you go to the club, it's nothing but VIP section. Right. Yeah. It's not even the dance floor. People dance in their individual section. With people they yeah. already know, and they they pop bottles and etc. They're not interacting with anybody else. You but know, you know what? The internet is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but guys, you know something? You know, uh, to steer it back a little bit. Another thing about this generation too: the generation is so disconnected, um, and they live in a very false sense of reality based on what social media has projected, yeah. and deemed what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Uh, what they see their favorite rapper do, they see their favorite um, internet influencer do, and they feel like they can do the same thing. But understanding that there are, they don't understand that there are certain repercussions of what they do and how they do it. Right. So the choices they make, you know, you gotta understand that it affects those around you directly and indirectly. And and also, and they the white establishment uses that, especially when it comes to people of color minorities, against us. Without a doubt. See, you know, but I'm saying, y'all see them monkeys? See, they act like monkeys. You know, you is, is, isn't that a form of mental illness, though? Them living in this virtual world. And oh, yeah. Live. It's called disassociation. Like, think about it. When, 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 we, when, look, when we grew up, you only had access to the women in your neighborhood, at your school, or in the next community around. You know, now they, they got access to women all over the place. And that, I think that distorts a little bit. Because he like, I don't think these guys are just girls and women, men and women of this generation understand, you know, when we talked about the club, how we used to go there and get shot down. Oh, like you should have your little notebook and try to get some numbers and get shot down was part your of the planner. game. Your planner. You had your planner with yeah, you. Yeah, that was part of the game. <laughs> look, look, you shoot at you shoot at 20, hope to get five. So, so you know, you don't forget five numbers. That, that, that's just your life. Think about that walk of shame. You and your boys held up near the bar. Girl way across the room. You walk over there. She turn you down. And you look back, what your boys doing? <laughs> they laughing. And you got to walk all the way back over there to them. That, that was just life. That's yeah. what it was. That's just what yeah, it was. Yeah, you got to walk all the way back. Yeah. And you have to make it seem like you have a purpose. So, so you swing by the bar and get some drinks. Like, well, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't hollering at her. You know, yeah, yeah, right. You know, we had an interaction, and you know it's all good. You know, I get at her later. You know, you try to smooth it over, but we all know what happened. Right. We saw that disappointment on your face. You know, you know, come on back to the fold, and you know, try again. 
Yeah, you know, but you know, we got used to rejection too, because you know, some of these cats these days they can't handle girl told them no. I'm like, come on, man, we grew up, yeah. you know. But you know, it's kind of reversed now because you know, I don't think women understand that as a man we grow up with rejection. That that ain't no part of us. But now you're getting a lot more women getting rejected because you know the thing has flipped a little bit. You know, because where they say a woman in her prime is from, you know, eighteen to about twenty eight. You know, but everything flips for a man when he turns about 27 on up because, you know, now that you've gotten, you probably got a steady job by now, you're making some level of money by now, you're a commodity, you got choices. So you, when you start rejecting women, they don't, they can't help. They, they don't know what's going on. They, you know, right. and I think that's what's happened to a lot of people. When you grow up in the, the era we grew up, rejection was part of it. I, I can't, if a mug, it's just like when people talk to me about basketball, they tell me, oh man, I ain't never been dunked on. Well, that means you ain't never guard nobody. You tell me you ain't never played no defense. <laughs> if you weren't in the game. Right, right. Oh, you weren't in the game. If you, you weren't, you weren't around the It would truly, it would truly. Right. So it, it ain't no way if in our in our era that you someone where I mean, ain't no woman ever rejected me. That means you ain't talking to no women. There ain't no way. You betting a hundred percent because we've all had taken that walk. Oh yeah, we've all and, it, and your boys are all saw it. The boys oh. all saw it. Yeah, be like, hey, she, she hurt your bad, didn't he? She hurt you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you always joking and clown them, tell them, hey, right. don't go home and bend that shower rod. Yeah. Oh, but don't let them have a new outfit on. Oh, oh man! It's with the new outfit on. We're gonna rag on that shirt. Oh, no, no, no! French prayers, balls, the rayon shirt, and them right. gangster nights. <laughs> and, then, you know, and that's it was like a damn aerobics exercise. You know, but everybody, <laughs> right. like Abe said, being you know, there was a dance floor, and everybody hit the dance floor. That's what it was during that time. You know, that 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 the music was good. You know, the entertainment was good. You had to actually have talent, you know, instead of everything now being manufactured, you know, you know going back to what we talk about, I'm going to use the term that Tariq called, we call them the, the tethers, you know, with the tethering on to the, you know, the African-American experience. You know, back, you know, back then, you remember in the late 80s, which late 80s to the mid 90s, was pretty much what I consider the golden age of hip hop because we did the hip hop show a couple of days ago. You know, during that time, think about what it was. I mean, you had the African uh, medallion on. Everything was conscious rap. Everything was educational to some extent. You know, teaching you something or giving you some type of message. And then all of a sudden, and that was making money. All of a sudden, it just flipped. It just like. Flipped on the dime. It became, you know, women. Oh man, the stuff you hear today is just ridiculous. That, 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 that song you just you just started saying. When I heard it, I thought it was a joke. I thought like, oh man, somebody making a, a silly. Then when I found out that's an actual song, I was like, what the hell is this? That that blew my mind, man. That that's an actual song. That that oh I I don't even I don't, I don't even have the words to talk about that I, I I'm telling y'all it blew my mind when, when when I heard that was an actual song I thought it was like a, like a little TikTok joke or you know internet joke but I didn't realize that was an actual song 
That song was actually on the soundtrack to uh, on Friday. Man. I mean, it was even score on Friday. Excuse me. Right. I I can't believe that. That that's that crazy. was matter of fact. That was that was that was Craig's girlfriend song. When she came over to the crib. <laughs> I mean, if I'm not mistaken, that, that yeah. was on that way. Yeah, well, that's crazy. That is crazy. That is crazy. But you know, that's the world we live in, man. It's just you know, it is what it is. But I, but I think going forward, you know, get back on the subject. I know we got sidetracked a little bit. I think going forward, that's gonna be that's gonna be a serious thing. We gotta that you know, we gotta pay attention to and look at is that you know. African Americans that don't have the—I mean, I'm not African Americans. Black people who don't have, who don't share the African American experience, being used as props against African Americans when they talk about the experiences and things that were done here. You know, because one thing I hate hearing is when I—you know—it just irks me to my soul when I hear a debate about reparations and stuff like that. And I see a uh, a non-black person say, "Well, the people who were involved with slavery aren't alive today." That's bull crap. Because the reality is, for me, you and Abraham to be on this podcast, and we're all foundational black people, that means somebody in our family said we're going to survive. We're going to make. It. And the torturous things they went through to make it is the reason we are here. So you can't say those people aren't here because we're here. Because if they were, if you talk about the people who was involved, say they're not, yeah, they are because I'm here. You know, I can trace my lineage through Nat Turner coming through Virginia to Louisiana. I'm here. So you can't say that. And then you talk about these big insurance companies and some of the the, the foundational economic structure in this country is based off the wealth that slavery gave them? Come on, man. Right. But you know what, President? I'm going to go back to a point. I just thought about something we talked about earlier. That you talked about earlier. And you talked about how white the white regime or white establishment or white individuals want to bring in outside uh, people of color to talk about this thing of, of slavery right. and, and you know and things like that. But have you noticed something? There are more people of color, especially from the UK, acting in America now. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I don't know who somebody brought that up one time and they complained about it, that these American roles are going to you know black women right. actors. Like the new A Vivian on a new show that I stopped watching, the Fresh Prince. She's uh-huh. British. You know, they, they the new play. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, the 18th? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. British. Yeah. She's British. Then they get they they get angry like hey, we all black. We all don't share the same experience, but we all, all no. black. You know, hell, we all human race. I mean, but you know, we we don't share the same experiences. And you know, I, I agree. I, I I just I just find that stuff is not. It's troubling because I see it a lot in politics. I see it a lot in politics. Because the first thing when I hear certain people say certain things, first thing I do is check check their background. And the one right. thing when I see you talking about you a second generation Nigerian or first generation Nigerian, I'm like, man, come on, man, what are you talking about then? This this is not your conversation. You just got here. You don't know about you know what happened to our historic ancestors. You know? Right. 
But guys, you know, we about to close it on out. You know, Churchill is getting kind of people starting to walk into the doors. Remember, spoke to Maisha. Got the Friday night drink. Oh, yeah. So, as always, man, we, we appreciate all of you. And come see us at Churchill Smoke Shop. Come meet some great people. And come find a friend. Come meet a friend. Find a friend. Meet a friend, man. Hey, we're here for you. Get in the comments. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And as always, we thank you. Salute. Get out of here. Peace.